Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Journalism was supposed to be a kind of fourth branch of government that would get underneath excuses and get to the truth of things. That's what investigative journalism is, and it still exists. It's, uh, you know, on the verge of going extinct. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from Clear and Open. You have a choice. Right now, you have a choice, probably more than one. In every moment of your adult life, you choose at least how to react to what's going on around you. That's how we began discussing the idea of excuses a few lessons back. And to some, the thought is, you know, mildly challenging to terrifying. It's a lot of responsibility to actually see how much choice you have. And this is why selling out one's power is so popular, even though very few people would actually admit that they do that. That's what they do consciously or not. The even continuing to live every day is a choice. Instead of being terrified by this idea of our choice, let the power to choose empower you. If you want to, you can choose to make your life better. No more excuses. And you do this by seeing where you're not choosing that. Paradoxically, well, counterintuitively. This episode originally was recorded as part of the Claiming Self-Authority course, which is available in its entirety online at courses.clearandopen.com. So as you know, I do member webcasts and online courses, and I work with people one-on-one, usually business leaders who are interested in changing their businesses from the inside out, because it's my truth that there's a lot of suffering in the world that is just unnecessary, not enough money. People experience scarcity with money, with time. They experience people problems and it holds them back in all sorts of ways. And the way it looks to me is people only hold themselves back. And it's just a matter of seeing how we're in our own way in excruciating detail. And I use that word uh, intentionally because it can be very difficult to look at how our choices, which is connected to the theme of this series, how we're actually choosing unconsciously uh, in ways that hurt us, and that can be difficult to look at. But the the reward you get for that emotional pain is fulfillment, success, things going your way, things flowing, because we really are the most in our own way. So I hope in conclusion with this series, you've gotten some insights about maybe where your own excuses are hindering you, and I hope this helps you. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. So unpacking excuses and getting to the incuse is a skill. It takes practice. Man, I should probably do a whole course on excuses one of these days. I don't, I don't know. I've written a lot about excuses. I forget where I posted it and what course, but there's, there's so many. But the main thing to take away here is you are a contributing factor to anything that you're involved in. Anything. That's the opportunity for you because you only ever, here's another important principle. You only ever do things that make perfect sense. 
I think I may have talked about this already in this course. You only ever do things that make perfect sense, either consciously or unconsciously. So if somebody does something apparently irrational, you just don't understand the unconscious dynamics. So while we say, you know, and there's this cool book, uh, Predictably Irrational, that I highly recommend, it's fascinating, about marketing and people's unconscious. But the thing is, if there's, there's nothing mysterious about human behavior, if you really understand the nature of the unconscious. One of the things that drives part of me crazy is every time there's a school shooting or some kind of massacre, you know, people always call it senseless violence. And how could this happen? That's the, sort of the quotes we see. There's nothing senseless about it. All you got to do is look at the kid's childhood and start unpacking it. But then where would that go? Can you imagine how that would go? So uh, psychologically trained reporters interviewed the parents of the kid who just shot up the school and determined he was deeply sensitive and largely unlistened to. And when started to act out at age 10, they put him on uh, psychotropic pharmaceuticals and all that rage built up and depression until one day he couldn't take it anymore. And now the parents want to kill themselves because they feel responsible. That's what would happen, you guys. That's what would happen. And it's not hard to do. It's not hard to demonstrate. But nobody wants to look at that. Nobody wants to look at how the shooting made absolute and perfect sense for that kid to do. It was a perfect expression of what was going on inside him. Instead, it has to be some mystery. While we may never understand why this happens. And now let's talk about gun control again, which certainly might help. I don't know. But it's not the root problem. It's just a, a red herring which conveniently goes around in circles and never resolves. That's one of the best excuses there is. Let's debate the point that is not the point and not resolve that. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, let's debate gun control for the next 100 years and go nowhere on it while the mental health issue, which, by the way, has nothing to do with mental health. It's emotional health. And the state of psychology in our world continues to suck abjectly and not help people, which is why pharmaceuticals are so... Uh, popular now because they saw that most therapeutic methods didn't work. So they came up with pills to make the symptoms go away. Some of those antidepressants cause suicide. <laughs> that's a symptom. That's a side effect. Hmm. If the pill can cause suicidal thoughts as a side effect, maybe it's not such a good pill for depression. Gee, I wonder. But again, there's the institutional version. There's the macro version of not wanting to look at the shadow. You see, why is it that we have big societal problems, nuclear waste, climate change, murder-suicide, shootings, these kinds of things, hunger, poverty? Why is it that we have these long-standing group problems at the macro level? Because every individual has the same damn thing. That's why. Because the group doesn't want to look at the shadow issues because there's not a significant tipping point of individuals who want to do that. I mean, to qualify to be a leader in a country, you ought to have to do that. But all you got to do is open up the newspaper and see that our politicians don't want to do that. Like um, more, most recently, Mitch McConnell's game of we can't try the president for impeachment because I forget what we can't do it now. Because he's a sitting president or whatever the excuse is, there's no time. And then the president stepped down and then we couldn't do it because he's not president anymore. You see, that's a felony lie in my book. 
You shouldn't get to, and I'm not running down Republicans, Democrats do the same thing increasingly. That's a felony lie. That's a felony unwillingness to look at your own shadow because of how many people it affects. That affects millions and millions of people, 330 plus million people in this country and the world. So that was an excuse. We can't do it now. Oh, we couldn't do it before. We can't, we can't do it. Why can't we do it? And then he berates uh, Trump in the end of the impeachment about how bad he was to save face or to create some distance. Like what? You see, there's there's no accountability there. There's like, okay, uh, Senator McConnell, we're going to have a conversation now. You said X and then you said not X and then you said Y and then you said not Y. What's really going on? You see, there's something underneath that. That's what journalists are supposed to do. But because they're owned by corporate media now, who are in bed with the politicians, most of them can't be trusted to actually get to the bottom of it. Journalism was supposed to be a kind of fourth branch of government that would get underneath excuses and get to the truth of things. That's what investigative journalism is, and it still exists. It's uh, you know on the verge of going extinct, but that's what exposed Watergate and the Iran-Contra stuff and all those kinds of things. So that's what I'm inviting you to do. Be an investigative journalist with yourself, because if it bothers you that our leaders don't look at their own stuff and don't look at the underlying conditions that plague our world, I have only one thing to say to you. Are you doing that with yourself? Because if you're not turning over every stone, you're disqualified from criticizing anyone else for not doing it either. You're disqualified because the act of judging them is an excuse, you see. Instead, change your world and seek to make no excuses. Well, not no excuses. Seek to investigate. It's not about never making an excuse because that'll happen. Seek to get underneath and investigate every excuse you make to get to the bottom of it. Change your world. That's what changes the world. Because people like Trump and Mitch McConnell and Kamala Harris and anyone else's, Brett, what's his name? The Kavanaugh. All these people have been in the news making obvious excuses. Obama makes excuses. I've heard him make excuses. He's much more clever about it. You know, like, well, we need to make gradual change and, you know, just a little bit at a time. That's the, I mean, he ran as a liberal, but never was. That was sort of his clever excuse. And so he didn't do, did, I mean, I don't know how much uh, liberal agenda he would have passed if he had the Senate in the, in the House, but, uh, or the Senate, I forget. Didn't have the Senate. But there are excuses anywhere, you know, and they're either subtle or they're overt. So if you're looking for some practice hearing excuses, just, you know, turn on C-SPAN and see if you can hear something that isn't an excuse. (laughs) There's always something else going on. That's what curiosity will lead you to. And that means, and this goes all the way back, it means you have to love truth more than anything else. You see, you have to love truth no matter how freaking ugly it may be, no matter how dire the consequences may be. Are you in a spousal relationship or a a romantic relationship where the intimacy has died a little bit? Share something with that person you're terrified to tell them and see what happens. Share something with them that you think they might even leave you for as vulnerably as you can. Well, they might. I don't know. It depends. 
but you'll either find that the bond will get way worse or way better really fast. You see? Because truth is alive. And when we're not truthful, things start to deaden. I have a question. Yeah. And I'm sorry I waited till five minutes before the end of class to ask it because I've been sitting here brewing over it since you said it. I've noticed so you brewing. I felt that. Yeah. When you say that, I, I get that we're at choice and we need to be responsible. We, we get to be responsible for and look at our responsibility. But when you say we have the ultimate choice, we can just commit suicide. Something in me just like wants to punch you in the face. Yeah, I saw you didn't like that when I said that. Yeah, well, and I think probably because there's a lot of people on this call that I love, including you, that like if that happened, that would be devastating to me personally, which I know is probably the ego or whatever. But I just want to like, there's something that feels very untrue about taking it and against life. So I, I just want to hear I'm your... Sure about taking what life? Your own life. Like it, it seems like if someone... Suicide seems like a, a cop-out and a way to... A big fuck you to life. Well, I would say it often is and not always. Some people can only take so much. Not everybody is signed up for a full and complete life, in other words. So... Yeah, I, very often it's a cop out. I'm not suggesting that people do it. I'm not saying it's a strong thing to do. But I also understand. And I would say for some people, you know, they sign up for 20, 25, 30 years of life and, and then they're going to exit because they just can't take it anymore. I have past lives where I've suicided at least a half a dozen, maybe even a dozen times. I remember some of them. And sometimes it was a cop-out and sometimes it was just like, okay, that's all I can take. But the, the point is not whether it's good or bad. The point was that it's something you can do, therefore you can always say game over. That means you're always responsible for your life. Nothing is happening to you because you can exit. You know, It's like being at a party where you're like, I hate this party. I hate this party. Man, this party sucks. You got a car outside and the keys leave. That's what I'm saying. If the party is that bad, realize that you're responsible for making your experience of the party better because you have the option to leave. You're not a prisoner. Even if you were a prisoner on the inside, you could take it. So this is a, const a consternating thing for you, Maria. So here's a good example. You're not really making an excuse but this is a different kind of thing. What I would say is the difficulty you have swallowing this is indicative that something else is going on. What is it really that's going on that makes suicide such a big thing for you? That's well, I mean, if there's fear, again, that I can recognize that for, for that would what? be a decision that, that but I, I would put anybody on this call would, would because if Because if someone you cared about suicided, then what? Well then I would wonder what was possible that had been missed. For a part of you, if someone were to suicide that you loved, what is it that they'd be doing to you? They'd be leaving me, of course. Yeah. Okay. But, it's, but look, I mean, I get that part of it. But there's also, this is an endemic problem in our society. And yeah. So at any rate, we can talk about it one-on-one if you want, but it, <laughs> 
But it just, the, the flippancy with which you say it just really does, I admit I'm triggered. Well, yeah. So the tr- then the thing is to investigate that because I, I wouldn't say I'm being flippant. I've had suicidal thoughts since I was 12 years old. It's a serious thing. And I'm talking about it without some heavy tone because it's just a reality of our species. I don't hold it as a taboo because suicide happens so much in our society because it's taboo. I think everybody should talk about, you know, it's like uh, Jean-Paul Sartre said, the only serious philosophical question is whether or not to kill yourself. I think that should be a question on everyone's mind every day. Because if it's on your mind every day, then you're going to lead a life worth living. But if it's not consciously on your mind every day, then depression might build up in a way that at some time may make a decision for you. And then you're out before you have a chance to sort of deal with it. So I don't see it as flippant. I see it as transparent. I mean, imagine if in ninth grade, uh, your uh, psychology teacher said, so uh, has anyone ever thought about killing themselves? Why don't we? Why don't we as humans do that? But you see right there, you run into religion, family values, all sorts of, we can't talk about it. It's taboo. And I'd say that's the problem. The same way people don't talk about how much they love their guns and why is part of why we don't have gun control. Because they don't really talk about how much they love their freaking guns. They love them. They love them. And they're terrified to give them up. There's no sort of mainstream conversation about that. Well, let's look into that. Why do you love your guns so much? Or Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, why do you need billions of dollars? Why is that so important to you? What's that relationship like? All of these are taboo subjects. So if they weren't taboo, then what could happen? But I say it, you know, in the the flippant way, you could say it's a challenge to say, hey, whatever problems you have, stop playing victim victim to them. Deal with them or leave. Decide. And is it sad when people kill themselves? Well, I mean, in one way, yeah, it's a missed opportunity, you could say. But I would say at least they chose. I would rather someone kill themselves than play victim their entire life. It's more honest. And then they will experience the consequences of that suicide between lives, have a serious chat with their guides, and then come back with a resolution to not do it again. Everybody suicides at one time or another. So that's how it lives in me. You don't have to believe that. You can open up your third eye and look at your own past lives and see that most likely you've all done it. Because the first few times here, it's really freaking hard and you don't make it the whole way usually. But you don't have to believe that. That's just how I hold it. Well, on that somber note, (laughs) serious note, whatever. You're welcome. welcome. Yeah, thank you, Maria. I wish you hadn't sat on that. Anyway, to me, if you have to go, I know we're, we're late here. If you have to go, but I want to try to find a nice way of wrapping this up. To me, the truth that we all can suicide is empowering. That's how it feels to me. Choose your life every day. Make it worth living. You see, that you have the choice to not be this you and just exit helps you to choose more what you have. You see what I mean? It's empowering. You're at choice. You don't have to live this life. You don't have to. Do you want to? What do you want to do with it? What makes it worth it? 
You see, that's a stark choice. It's kind of an ultimatum. It's like make your life worth living to live or get the hell out of here. Anywhere in between is mediocrity. That's what is really challenging about it. Joseph, just very quickly, because the whole thing just reminded me of when I used to work in a bank. Uh, and uh, I, I just remember it distinctly being every day was a, a droplet of suicide. Every day, it was a drop in the cup of suicide. Yeah. And I got to the point where I said, I'm not going out this way. Yeah. No, I have to do something else, but I will not continue yeah. on this path that leads to suicide. Yeah, well said. I've been in places like that too. It's, I, that's what I think. It has a purpose. It's a kill switch that's right there. And when things get bad, you have that choice. And, and you know, we want to be, it's suiciding is, to, for the most part, it's against the system, right? You're, you're going against what the system wants to do. But that you have that option, it inspires you to do something. Well, are you in so much pain that you don't want to live? Well, then you better freaking do something about that, right? And that's responsibility. That's what gets you out of crisis and survival mode because it's intolerable. And yes, some people, is it tragic that some people don't have the support to be able to get through that? Absolutely. But to me, that the option is there is incredibly powerful and ought to be revered. Because if you have suicidal thoughts with any kind of persistence, I recommend you do something about it. It was part of what got me into therapy and spirituality and led me to become the person that I am today. I'm so glad I had suicidal thoughts my whole life. It was not an excuse. It was a, a breadcrumb trail to learn something. There was stuff in me that needed attention. That's what it is. So when we say suicide is a cry for help, it's like, yeah, in one way that's true. It's sort of an unsophisticated way of saying it. It means there were 99 acres or so in that person that needed to be explored. And for whatever reason, they weren't able to explore it. But we as a, as a species are really rudimentary, remedial with emotional health. It's embarrassing. I mean, hey, like I like to say, when physical science was 100 years old, everything was made of earth, fire, air, and water. So what do we expect from psychology? A thousand years from now, it's going to look really different. There'll be a periodic table level of sophistication. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.